0: Fellas, 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 look, look, hi, Uh, look, uh, everything, everything's fine and the work is good as far as it goes, but we're definitely getting uh, a lot in the comment section, look, uh, let me just, let me just break it down this way. Our audience, they, these are people who consume global news, you know. They come here to find out what's happening in the Italian elections. They find here to, to find out what's going on with that pipeline going into Germany. You know, they they come here uh, also sometimes to relax to hardcore improvisational stylings. Yes. But what they don't come here for is canoodling. Oh. And what I'm seeing in the comments is a lot of people talking about canoodling. And so I'm hoping that we can pull that back and that we can buckle down. Is, that, is canoodling like? Like, not like a kind of noodle? No, it's maybe because maybe we ate... Okay, look, ra- no, look like we're ramen? not doing a bit about the canoodling. And, and what's more, uh, besides the canoodling, is that, I, is that I'm going to be naming the songs from now on. What? Because, frankly, last really? time, I think like, you might have just made up those na- song names oh, just on the okay. fly. Maybe, maybe and, the uh, look, just uh, for us, a song isn't just um, some sort of improvisational, you know, number. It's a messaging opportunity. And that's the point of the show. That's the point of the show. And that's the point of this segment and all the segments, okay? From the Delta to the Falls, from the Grotto to the newly constructed Defense Ministry Building, nothing captures the rhythm of Ecuadorial Fredonia like Cadre cigarettes. Never a rough puff with Cadre, sponsors of The Committee Program.
1: Live from West Berlin, it's the committee program with Aaron Chaudhary, Julia Doubleday, Forrest Lovett, Fiamma Meli, Jevat Castrati, and your truly, Jacopo Castelletti. We begin the show backstage with the committee orchestra starring Mild Panning and their hit, Perfectly Normal Coronade.
0: Niran Chaudhary and Forrest Lovett. Hi, my name is Niran Chaudhary, and welcome to the committee program. I am your host, and this is your global news rodeo. And I'm actually bringing it to you from the same uh, hotel room in Lithuania that I brought you the cooking with comrades from last week, although I've been a couple places. In between, But actually, the world has changed, even though my hotel room hasn't. And now, of course, we do find ourselves uh, with a high-grade conflict going on between Russia and Ukraine. And uh, on this first segment, your Global News Rodeo, uh, Forrest Levett has curated world events like he always does, but has actually put a couple uh, different viewpoints on what's happening on the ground there. And I think that that's great because you need to read a really wide variety to even start to begin to understand what's going on, because lots of people have lots of best interests and having you believe entrenched narratives and it's possible just possible that almost every source that you're reading um from one could say both sides but there are many sides uh is not totally telling you the truth could be could be let's go (laughs) item one when it all began which was thursday february 24th 2022 at 5 7 a.m Political Europe is reporting that there is an ongoing full-scale invasion of Ukraine by Russian troops. At the current moment, major cities are under bombardment from the air, land, and from the sea, including the capital, Kiev. And I would also add, uh, most notably, Kharkiv, which is the second biggest city and is, uh, you know, much closer to the Russian border. And Odessa, where my people are from, which is just on the Black Sea. Uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin gave a televised speech early Thursday morning launching the attack saying Ukraine needed to undergo demilitarization and denazification. Minutes after the message, Russian tanks were seen crossing the border in Crimea and other locations. This action comes after uh, Putin recognized the two separatist regions as independent and multiple failed attempts of diplomacy by Western leaders to stop it. That's in the Donbass region. European officials called on emergency summit on Thursday evening and decided on a series of new sanctions to impose. They agreed on a massive sanctions in a block of finance, energy, and transport, but they decided against kicking Russia off of the SWIFT payment system. Going against the wishes of Ukrainian president, uh, Zelensky, a top Zelensky aide, told Union News, the sole goal of Russia is to enter Kiev and destroy the leadership of Kiev, personally Zelensky. Uh, You know, it is sort of interesting, and I do, I'm going to be editorializing a lot on this, but not. You know, with a strong point of view of what I want you to believe. But it is interesting that Zelensky was not, say, you know, uh, any kind of shady American clandestine efforts first choice to be the president of Ukraine. (laughs) Item two, an imperialist at heart, the West and Putin have much in common. Socialist workers reporting Vladimir Putin's latest declaration of war against Ukraine clearly shows his imperialist intentions. I think this word is maybe causing controversy of some people who would say imperialism has to have certain characteristics. Uh, Does this aggression have that? I think it sort of doesn't matter. You know what I mean? I think this is sort of parsing a, a false dichotomy as if we were still in some kind of ideological Cold War instead of just a naked power Cold War. Breaking away from any socialist tradition, Putin said in his address to the nation on Thursday that the Russian Revolution of 1917 was to blame for Russia's current state. He went on to say modern Ukraine was entirely and fully created by Russia, more specifically the Bolshevik communist Russia. This process began practically immediately after the 1917 Revolution. And moreover, Lenin and his associates did it in the sloppiest way in relation to Russia by dividing, tearing from her own pieces of historical territory. I mean, this was a game, I think it's sort of, blaming this on Lennon is a bit much. I think the Soviets played the same game a lot of Russians have with kind of these territories and keeping the empire together and moving populations. And, you know, when we talk about Crimea, it's actually where Tartars are from. Like, you know, everyone has not gotten to stay where they are. The border between Armenia Armenia and Azerbaijan was the result of lots of moving of populations around. This kind of imperial engineering is for sure not unique uh, to Russia, for sure not unique to the Bolsheviks, and for sure not unique to Lenin. And so I think this is... um, this kind of frame from Putin is interesting, right? Because it's both the de-Bolshevization of uh, 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 of uh, of Russia and the denazification of Ukraine, sort of at the same time. It's a lot of D things. It's a lot of a lot of work being done there. <laughs> Item three: West versus East and the Global South. Soldiers released in Central Africa. African News is reporting four captured French soldiers operating the Central Africa Republic have been released. The men were accused in social media of wanting to assassinate the head of state. The soldiers were of French, Italian, Romanian, and Bulgarian descent and working security for the UN peacekeeping force. The French government said this act was a gross manipulation and has accused the Central African Republic of being complicit in a campaign against France orchestrated by Moscow. Moscow, on the other hand, points its fingers at Paris for accusing the Warner Group, a Russian military contractor in the region, for seizing resources and power. (laughs) Item four, a little goes a long way. France extends abortion limit. Euronews is reporting the French parliament has voted to extend the deadline for abortions from 12 weeks to 14 weeks. This places France at the same limit as Austria and Spain, while in the UK it is 24 weeks. The French health minister was quoted saying the vote was a step towards greater pragmatism and equality and continued today is an important day for sexual and reproductive health and an important day for women's health. A motion to reject the bill by anti-abortion activists and the right-wing MPs was denied. According to the bill's supporter, each year, 3,000 French women are forced to go abroad for abortions because they passed the legal time limit. I mean, that that's... That's good, because actually we see when you're looking worldwide, reproductive rights are definitely sliding. And that's not just in America, but that is, of course, especially in America. And before we go, I would just say, if you have Repo dollars you are looking to donate, don't forget about uh, Abortion Access Front, who actually make sure the money goes directly into supporting abortion care and into the independent health clinics that make it happen. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Ciao and welcome to your polling predictions on The Ones, updated bimonthly by your committee programme. In Sweden, Ipsos and other forecasts call for continued social democracy as everyone's favourite Labour Party continues to lead the pack with their new Prime Minister in tow. Although continued strength in the Conservative Moderate Party and Swedish Democrats prevents welfare utopia from proceeding unimpeded. In Colombia, per De Texaco, we have high approval ratings for the three highest performing candidates Galan for the Liberals, Muckets from the centre left SPA, and Fajardo of the ASI Indigenous Party at 53, 51, and 45% respectively. Similar story in Pakistan, per Gallup, where the chief minister approval ratings are running fairly even in the mid-50s for Mahmood Khan, PTI centrist, Murad Ali Shah, PPP, center-left, Usman Buzdar PTI centrist, although Mr Khan has improved his position considerably since this was last measured at the expense of the other two. In Japan, we see the conservative LDP party dominating party identification with 47% of the Japanese people choosing blue, The closest centre-left party, the CDP, blows in at just 8 points, this per ANN polling. Sigma Conseil is reporting that Tunisia should have a close parliamentary election with the right PDL party, hovering at 32%, roughly where Sayed's party likewise occupies. We are finally seeing temperatures plummet for the once-hot Labour Party of New Zealand led by Jacinda Ardern, but current surveys from Oceania elects have just behind the right-wing national party. Finally, in Costa Rica, we are seeing initial looks at a blowout against the ruling center-left PAC party. From our staff here at the polling channel, thank you so much for watching and farewell. This is Sunday Interview in Sweaters
0: and welcome back to the committee program. I'm your host, Arun Chaudhary, and on today's Sunday Interviews in Sweaters, we have a dear friend of mine, Carrick Harvey, who is a professor at the George Washington University and who I have deep and important conversations about communications uh, and its relationship to fiction, especially one of the few people who will tolerate these conversations, and in fact, the last time we spent time together was actually for a play that you had written uh, that was performed on public radio that we were able to talk about, which was a about which was sort of a, almost in real time play about the events of January the sixth and the reflection in the media. Uh, similarly, similarly, uh, we had had a conversation that I wanted to expand upon with you because I think it's something we've been talking about on the show a lot, and that has to do with law enforcement communications. And we had been talking about, and then I'll be quiet and you can recollect that we did indeed talk about it and say hello to everyone. But we had been talking about uh, sort of how law enforcement and access and kind of this um, harmonious relationship between the culture industry and uh, the law enforcement uh, community um, not only has sort of put a lock on the messaging about what law enforcement is and does, um, but also kind of shifted to the side some previous, maybe more countercultural narratives we had, you know, kind of starting from the highwaymen leading up to the private investigator, to Sam Spade, to, you know, people who could live in this world. Um, and, and I'll back up a bit, but just say hello to everyone and hi. And hi, It's everyone. Just so great, it's to, so see great
2: you. to be here. And Arana, it's so, as always, so wonderful to see you, too. It really is. And I'm so glad you wanted to go back and talk to talk about some of this stuff because it's it's interesting, I think in in both forward facing and backwards facing directions. it's where we came from in the popular culture to get to where we are in uh, in the real in real life society. it's it's um, it's looking at entertainment programming almost as an archaeological relic that lets us if we can only decode that, it then gives us insight into the present-day landscape. And that's, um, God knows we need as much of that as we possibly can get. So I'm I'm thrilled that you want to chat about this some more.
0: Yeah, and just, you know, it always comes back to sort of these 20th century figures who still dominate our kind of cultural landscape just because this is, you know, the beginning of uh, art in the mechanical in the age of mechanical reproduction, but you know I think it is the sort of the rise of radio and the rise of J. Edgar Hoover are not coincidentally at the same time, and, and I think you know um, even as I think we'll expand this conversation and bring in scholars of communication and bring in some historians and and folks from uh, who, who study uh, judicial justice, but it seems pretty clear that he had a good idea, and that's. We know the stories. We have access to the criminals. We have access to the cops. If you want to tell good stories, we can provide you with this. I mean, this this mm-hmm. continues oh, Yeah, today. absolutely.
2: And it continues today both in terms of of entertainment and, and genre entertainment in particular. Um, we'll come back to that in a second maybe. But also in terms of everything, all kinds of political communication. Um, whether it is uh, campaign rhetoric, whether it is putting together news headlines, which is not supposed to be political communication, but which is, whether it is um, advertising for cultural products that then uh, relocate the purchaser in a different place within sort of the societal pecking order. I'm thinking, of course, of the things like like makeup and um, fast cars and expensive clothes. But you Mm -hmm. could also extend that to, you know, to to what websites you look at, to what kinds and amounts of firearms you buy. I mean, it is, uh, the, the, the lines between the membranes between anything to do with culture and anything to do with politics, anything to do with communications and anything to do with consumerism, those four different sets of categories have really all kind of blended together. And I think that's probably because we're at the intersection of technology, a big, te- a big shift in technology, and an even bigger shift in how politics and culture inform and counter inform each other. Um, and that's, some of that's been deliberate. Um, some of that's been deliberate and people have talked about that a lot in the, in the public sphere. I remember very clearly the first time I saw um, a political, a high level political operatives book in, I think it was Kramer books and afterwards bookstore here in DC, in the front in the front window. In a in a display that is usually reserved for fiction, and it was Peggy Noonan's book about the um, being part of the Reagan presidency. Uh, that was a shift, moving from politics into something close to entertainment. And what you're talking about with with J. Edgar Hoover, which is absolutely, absolutely incandescent as a as an insight, is kind of going the other way. It's moving from real life into seizing the frame within which entertainment programming about that aspect of real life then takes place. And if you, can, if you can command the narrative, you can command the perception. So for J. Edgar Hoover to say, oh, there's this new interest in, uh, in police shows and enforcement shows, in anything to do with um, defending the nation, both inside and outside of national boundaries, let's make it easy for them for the people who otherwise might be our critics by bringing them into our, our circle of special access. Not only will they then feel sort of, in, if not indebted to us, but part of us at some level, but we will get to supply to them things that they, that they need and things that they think they need and thus get to turn off the spigot for things that they don't know about and we don't want them to have. So, so it's that again. It's that that seizing the mic, that grabbing the frame, that um, the narrative frame that melted some of those boundaries, going in the direction from the real world into entertainment um, and into the cop show, the cop show genre. And I think.
0: Yeah, the cop show mm-hmm. genre, which stays with us not just because of this reason, but for something else uh, or I think that I think that J. Edgar mm-hmm. Hoover had insight into, which is this idea of the emotional satisfaction of watching process. Uh, and sort of, you know, it's why cooking shows, police procedurals, all these things are so sort, of, sort of can be so popular is this, is this feeling of watching process. And that at the heart of that is, am I getting yeah. the authentic yeah. stuff, right? Are the Grey's Anatomy's doctors actually (laughs) dripping out real operation words, right? I want to think that they are. Do all the, even the Star Trek jargon hang together? I'm going to buy a guidebook Mm -hmm. to make sure that it does. Like, I, and so I think this knowing, ah, this, you know, people are sort of even willing to hang up a lot of even what they know, ah, the story might be then changed to help the cops. Like, ah, but who cares? The gun mm-hmm. is now the real gun, and somehow that's like the real thing, and mm-hmm. the car is the real mm-hmm. car. Uh, and so the people are sort of willing to sacrifice all, a lot for this idea that the mm-hmm. process mm-hmm. is and right. And the
2: process is, and, and I think you're 100% accurate with that. And, and we see that over and over again in different types of shows that are based on alternative worlds that have to be built through that kind of process. So think about Game of Thrones and the whole Harry Potter thing. When you mentioned Star Trek, um, it used to just be confined to science fiction where people got to see the process by which a whole civilization rolled itself out. And part of being in that audience was just like you say, also kind of knowing the inside scoop, knowing the words to use, knowing the expectations, knowing that this kind of spell is dangerous to use in a full moon, that kind of spell is fine to use at any time. It's, it's, there's, a, there's a real thirst for that. And we see that go back to before the, the law enforcement and the police show stuff. We also see that go back to crime, the American fascination with how the mafia works, you know, it's a, it's a, it, it's a, it's a subculture mm. with a code of honor, with everybody knows their place, but there's room for ambition and movement. Um, there's specialized equipment and specialized language, and relationships are complicated but dynamic. Um, they may, they may terrify you, but they're certainly not going to bore you to death. And all of these, all of these things that you're talking about, that we're talking about, are ways for people to step outside the process of their own lives that, has become, that have become so familiar that they've, they risk be, being not just boring but kind of stultifying and kind of being armchair ethnographers into some other more exciting place. Now, when you attach that to what... I never thought about it this way, but when you attach that to what J. Edgar Hoover was doing, you've kind of got a double payoff going on for people because not only is it the satisfaction of watching process pay out, and watching process play out in a way that is an exoticized version a, a slice of your world that gets blown up even if it's just a world your world in the imagination that gets blown up into a a mm-hmm. whole a whole created culture but all of that is attached to power all of that is attached to to the 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 wielding of power to the to the reigning in of power, you know, we've got power, you're a criminal, you shouldn't have power, um, to the distribution of power to, to the, you know, the ultimate,
0: (laughs) or you're a criminal type, you shouldn't have power,
2: you You know, you're a criminal type, so you shouldn't have power unless we elect you. And then you're somehow not sanctified, but you're somehow accredited with, um, the right to use that power that if you were just a normal person would have had you in jail by now so it's this it's this really strange, complicated, but incredibly rich um thing that's happening here and and I love how you I love how you're talking about some of the some of the classics some of the old and the historical versions of these kinds of shows because if, for one thing well that's what I mean by it's backward facing and forward it's a Janus thing it's it's backward facing and forward facing at the same time in its terms of its importance, but it also makes me think about. At first, I thought this is probably a uniquely American phenomenon, but it it listening to listening to you talk it really is anything but um but ethnographically it's fascinating to look at what categories of character inhabit these these different types of enforcement shows cop shows so for instance, if you look at what the mm-hmm. British put on, they love their police, their private detectives, their unwilling, unwilling once one-off sworn in sheriff type people, but mostly their private detectives. They love them to be religious figures as well. They love them to be vicars. They're all, yes. how many vicars do you see running after yeah, criminals? Right? And often they're they are not people who fit the the cultural stereotype of, body height to weight ratio <laughs> you know they're 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 more like everyday people but they're they're vicars or they're they're ministers or they're priests um if they're not that then they're deeply damaged people we do that too in the united states they're starting, yeah, yeah, starting, starting with like they drug on, addictions right? yeah. that again what if they weren't if they weren't chasing criminals with drug ad, if they weren't chasing criminals who help bring drug, drug addiction ad, let me start that again i'm, I'm so excited if they weren't chasing criminals, who help bring drug addictions into play for so many people, these private investigators' drug addictions of their own would make them criminals. It's this—it's this alchemical effect that is just—it's just, it's just mm-hmm. phenomenal. So, so the British like Vickers, um, both the British and the Americans occasionally like psychics. And what do you do with that? What do you do with people who? Who speak to the dead, spend time in the beyond, are surprised when they open the refrigerator to find things there that um, belonged to people who died long ago and far away, and they haven't seen since before then. But suddenly, um, I- I- Igor's Igor's yeah. shaky um, Igor's health drink has manifested inside my refrigerator ten years after he's dead. I mean, what I, I can only begin to start taking apart. What that means culturally, right? That it's just, it's just screaming, um, deconstruct me, deconstruct me, deconstruct me. Yeah, and
0: maybe it's sort of searching for mm-hmm. ambiguity in here, both scientific and moral ambiguity, because of what's been lost by the mm-hmm. Jagger Hoover's mm-hmm. of the world, right? That maybe in you know providing this extra great process, we are also uh, you know as you said, defining power in an extremely clear and clarion way. Uh, in black and white uh, while the private detective and all these things did enjoy this gray area. I'm helping someone despite them being a criminal, despite them maybe even being morally suspect as well as judicially suspect. Uh, I am maybe exposing the police for being judicially suspect. Um, these kinds of things that don't happen anymore. I mean, what do you think the effects are of, of sort of washing this out? What we must We must, as much as we enjoy the process, we must look for the transgression someplace, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, that also seems like it would be in us. I
2: think so. I think so. I would hope so. Um, To kind of get to that point, which is a a really crucial point, I want to linger for a minute and and hear you linger too on this division between private detectives and police in terms of who is is kind of the enforcement agent of choice right now, of audience choice right now. And there was a point not so long after the Second World War, really, where that started to shift from the cop as hero to the private detective as damaged hero. And for one, one thing about that, of course, is private detectives aren't bound by the same um, institutional laws and codes and rules that police are. And um, so that says something about I don't know, a contemporary need to operate outside structure, possibly outside of law, even while enforcing law. Some, some deep self-contradiction, not, not even a paradox, some deep self-contradiction in that psyche. Um, but another thing that being a private detective does is it lets you play it both ways. You can play both sides. You can be just a regular person, and you can be an agent of the yeah. state, even though you don't owe anything to the state. You're not official with the state. Um, you get access. You kind of let into the locker room, so to speak, in law enforcement. You know, the cops know you. They give you tips. You give them tips. You have a working, an uneasy working relationship.
0: There's sometimes a grudging sometimes, respect, right? right? That's sort of at the heart of maybe uh-huh. the humor of a lot of these the things. The grudging yeah.
2: respect. This is this absolute, We could do an entire book on this called Grudging Respect. But... Um, but then the other thing, so there's there's that ambiguity that you were talking about that plays out. But then the other thing is, when you're a private detective instead of a police officer, is you get to decide when you're going to actually bring somebody in and when you're not. There's room for ambiguity at the level of individual agency. Personal, personal expression. Yes, personal expression. Like, you know, I know that you just, you know, blew up all those buildings and ran all those drugs and did all that awful stuff but I really think you have it in you to reform and so if I put you in the prison system we know it's only going to get worse so I'm going to make a moral choice above the ethical code of my profession because I'm not a cop because I'm a private detective and so I get a chance to do that and um and I'm gonna give you a second chance. Whereas if I were a cop, I have to bring you in. So it really kinda of, the private detective, by being less than a cop institutionally, kinda of gets to be more than a cop in terms of their own self expression, their own the their own morality, you know and power. Then they
0: less than a cop institutionally. Yeah. Is so true because, like, how much do they bake into the cake of all of these guys exactly what their expenses are? Ten cents mm-hmm. a day, mm-hmm. you know, like it really sounds like this horrible wage work, right? Yeah. Well, you sort of in a cop show, you never, you know, we assume that they get paid regularly yeah. on time and envelopes that go directly to the bank. Like it's yeah. probably all very, like you know, they're enjoying a the socialism the rest of us yeah. could dream yeah. of. Yeah, um,
2: yeah. and this, such an emphasis, such an emphasis, such an emphasis, and and you know that's another thing is, I mean that that maybe that maybe crosses another strand of how, how people measure themselves against each other, which is how much money do you make? I mean, that's everybody from Alexis de Tocqueville to, um, I don't know, Trevor Noah, really. Everybody smart along that continuum of incredibly smart has commented on the American, the American habit of substituting income level for any other criteria of worth. Um, both for individuals and for groups. So that, yes. that would then be kind of something that props up the the basic, you know, just plain social power you have of being liminal, of being kind of a cop but not a cop. Um, the flip side of, of that, you get more power because you get to decide things that are outside the rules, but you have less stability because you're not on payroll. So um, so you got to make up for that somehow. But then the other thing I want to get to... Um, that, that came at the end of our discussion uh, with that class was how journalism enters into all of this. And I, th- I, I can't help but, mm-hmm. I've thought about it a little bit since, I can't help but feel like there's actually an archetype under the archetype, an even deeper archetype in terms of explaining the, not just the enjoyment but the fascination with this particular genre. And that's the idea of the renegade or the vigilante that the people you really put your faith in are people who have no faith in anything else. The people, the people you can trust are people who are outside any kind of organization or any kind of institution. They go it alone, and so you can almost see that that movement, that transference, getting less institutional and more vigilante as as this these genres move through broadcasting history. So so you start with you know with cop shows, cops as the as the good guys. Um, unequivocally be good guys, then you kind of have a have the shadow version of that with a a whole chapter of film noir after the war and maybe ten twenty years after that the the whole the whole Godfather series the whole mafia organized crime series mm-hmm. and then you move into all of these Although these vicars and psychics and sometimes vets, veterinarians, get pulled into it, people who don't really want to be private investigators but they're, they they end up being so. Reluctant heroes. Again, yeah. another trope: reluctant heroes. But then you move into, um, at some point, probably around Watergate, there is this this transference yes, from yes, private yes. everything that was. That was the styling, the detailing, the the, the, the clothing. The, the coat of many colors for a private detective that is more tattered but more interesting than the uniform coat of an actual police officer, that that wardrobe got hijacked for journalism. And, and totally. journalists... journalists Totally, became,
0: right? The actual the stitching. The actual stitching.
2: Yeah. And journalists became the vigilantes. They became the place that was going to hold... The, the group that was going to hold everybody else to account. Totally bypassing the bedrock reality that they they work in a commercial industry. <laughs> they work the, uh,
0: Yeah, increasingly centralizing even as this even thing as is happening, this, right? As this change is happening. Even as it's right, happening. They yeah. work
2: for a corporation. This
0: ain't ten cents a day plus expenses. Right, expensive. right. Yeah, and by ten ninety
2: nine for Because they work for a they work for a, a for big business. You know, all of the main whether you're talking about about uh, Something that started out like BuzzFeed, whether you're talking about like a social media aggregator station that gets bought up by a bigger social media fish, whether you're talking about legacy media that just keeps um, chewing each other up, that the cannibalistic nature of the political economy of the news media is just mind-blowing. It's always been a little bit that way, but man, we are talking, talk about Hunger Games at this point. And, and the more it centralizes, the more commercial it is, the more institutional it is. And the minute something is an institution, it has two jobs. One job is protecting itself as an institution, its own longevity. And then the second job is whatever it was created to do in the first place. And it's always in that order of priority. So journalists are probably the least, the least desirable people, if anybody's desirable, to be a vigilante in this whole lineup but they're the ones. They're the ones who occupy that space now, and it's through it's through this morphing, of, sometimes overlapping, but basically this morphing, from, from cop show to private detective, to, borderline kind of hard drinking, drug taking, self destructive private detective. Bogart gave us a few glimpses into how that was going to. Should I say blossom? How that was going to come to pass, but <laughs> yeah. but it's nothing like, you know, Kate Winslet's um, series, the mayor of um, mayor of uh, I think it's I think it's Eastham, um, that's going to be sweeping awards this year, and and she's doing a fabulous job in it, but as a genre, it just keeps it just keeps downshifting really, and and here's when you said we were talking just before this about somehow it's different to have the journalists in that job than even private damaged Mm -hmm. private detectives. Part of it is that the stakes are, for me, part of it is that the stakes are so uneven. If you're a private detective, if you're a cop, if you're a damaged private detective, you're still out there at some point in a deserted warehouse in the dark or on the street. You're still in a place where people who are dangerous to whom you are trying to be dangerous can turn that around and hurt you. If you're a journalist yeah you might put yourself in um i'm talking in domestic now not not um not mm-hmm. war correspondence yeah international, not international yeah. if you, if you're a journalist of the kind of you know the way most journalists are you may be breaking stories where you are putting yourself at some degree of of risk but it's not the same kind of every day will i come home tonight risk that a beat cop has or um or you know Sherlock Holmes, you know, teetering on the edge of a high plateau with the smartest guy in the world,
0: you know? Uh, uh, no. And frankly, I want to break down the wall you've set up and say, I think almost a logical conclusion of what we're talking about is, you know, what I just saw a few minutes ago, uh, you know, be pushed, push headline on my phone, which is follow along as New York Times journalists are embedded with troops in Ukraine. Right. It's, it's still it's, you know, For a little bit of access, you know, you can write breathlessly about something like war. We saw Brian Williams waxing poetic, right? It's sort of, you know, the idea of the adventure and getting to be the person sort of overrides even a sense of judgment about it.
2: I couldn't agree more. And the whole idea of embedding as a good thing in war correspondence is so deeply, it's so deeply wrong. I don't, I just don't, I've never understood it and I understand it even less now um like you said for just a little bit of access you're going to you're going to exchange your independent perspective
0: the entire filter that yeah through which you view yeah, the world yeah. basically yeah it's i yeah. mean it's
2: it's a, Give it it's away. like a sellout without any money changing hands you know <laughs> i mean i just i know that i know that people need to do that but they can do it differently look at what happened look how people fought their way onto the landing craft for D-Day. You know, they, they weren't embedded, but they were there. There is an alternative. Yeah. There are alternatives. That's right. But... Uh,
0: you, yeah, this is such a rich subject. We have to come back to this soon. Uh, we are running out of time. And I do also, like I told you before, I'm going to invite other folks in this conversation. We got to take this apart by race and oh, class yes. and gender. Because, I mean, you know, when you think about who the criminals are... Mm. Mm -hmm. Right. There's an awful lot of kind of white criminals uh, on the radio (laughs) and and, and et cetera uh, in a way that doesn't reflect in the jails at the same time. And so I think there's a lot of tensions here uh, that are incredibly interesting and people sort of trying to paint a picture of a country of law enforcement and of themselves. But thank you, Carrick Um, Harvey. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for being a friend and always being good for a great (laughs) time.
2: Thank you. I, I feel exactly the same way. I look forward to more of these and to hearing what other people have to say. It's a great topic and an
3: important
0: one. Cadre Cigarettes, that smooth, mild flavor that helps you do the people's business. Be a patriot with every puff and enjoy Cadre Cigarettes, sponsors of the committee program. With us again is Mild Panning, leading the committee orchestra. Uh, Fellas, look, I was sorry about the canoeing comments before, and I appreciate you uh, letting me add my stylophone stylings onto that first tune. Uh, I feel like a a, a young Alice Coltrane. You have made my dreams come true. <laughs> is it all right if I sit in on the second one? We don't have the hard feelings about you know, this. Get in on it. I mean, you know, you're you're adding the what do we call that? The little flare. We, we need, need some flare. Go. We call we call it the je ne sais quoi. The je sais is quoi. what we actually uh, call it. And, and you guys got your cartons of Cadres, yeah, right? No, no, we got the cigarettes. I mean, we 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 shouldn't maybe we shouldn't eat a bunch of food because that's all that's coming. Yeah. That's it. That that's in, if you look in the contract, that's actually that's what it, it is. Okay, okay so I just want to make sure okay, we're square. okay. Next time we won't eat. We won't eat before we play. We, were, we got a little tired, you know. But the, sick, uh, the I wouldn't help. recommend it. Count, it. Count it off, please. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. All right. here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, mild panning leading the committee orchestra, Josh Carruthers, Ray Loki, we appreciate you both hey, thanks so much. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for the
3: cigarettes.
1: And now, the news in really
0: shitty Italian... Segrete cadre, la segrette del popolo, cadre toste come il nostro leader. Bentornati al committee program e alle notizie detta in pessimo italiano. ve aggiorneremo sulle ultime notizie politici politiche dell'Italia nello stesso momento. Vi aggiorneremo. 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 Aggiornemo. Please. <laughs> Aggiorneremo. No. 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 <laughs> A- Aggiornemo. Aggiorneremo. Okay, okay, so yeah, let's yeah, yeah, to go. Aggiorn- yeah, okay, go A- on. Aggiorneremo. Aggiorneremo. perfect, perfect, okay, that's good. Le notizie. So, le ultimate notizie politiche dall'Italia. Politica dall'Italia nello stesso. Politiche dall'Italia... Right. Politiche dall'Italia nello stesso momento in cui lato con i tempi verbali al presente nella lingua di Dante, giusto? Sì, si, dai. Oh, Let's okay. Go on. Ciao Ludo.
3: Ciao. Ciao.
0: Ora che le elezioni presidenziali sono finite, cosa ne possiamo dedurre a parte forse le idee che la leadership Politicia uh, abbia ancora que forse le l'idea. A, A parte forse l'idea. Le la leadership lidea, politica abbia l'idea, lidea, lidea. l'idea, Okay, l'idea. Sì, si, sì, si, sì. Si. Okay, uno altro. Ora che le elezioni presidenziali sono finite, cosa ne possiamo dedurre? E parte forse l'idea che la leadership politica, politica. abbia ancora politica. meno controllo sui partiti di quanto Pensamimo. pensassimo? Pensassimo? Pens- pensassimo? Pensassimo. Prego.
3: Okay. Well, first of all, Aaron, thank you for having me here and for um, having you know mispe- uh, dispelled the myth. I always said because I always found uh, very offensive the interpretations that uh, uh, Americans did of Italians. You know, like the SNL caricature, but borderline racist as well. But then I just realized that this is actually how Americans speak when they try to speak <laughs> Italian. So they're not making fun of us. That, that's no. how you do it. Okay, that's good to know. Um, well. I believe that uh, in the recent Italian presidential election we realized who was for real and who wasn't, and who's up and who knows politics and who doesn't. And what we saw is that uh, Matteo Salvini does not, because he kind of um, kept gambling and gambling and finding new proposals and trying to force everyone, and he failed. Uh, that unfortunately Comte for 5 Stelle does not as well because he couldn't keep his group together, he, his line was uh, defeated over and over internally. Uh, the Draghi, but this was partially predict- predictable as a person that doesn't come from politics, you know, he's a high level technocrat, doesn't exactly because he tried to be elected president of the republic and failed pretty spectacularly, although. The fact that Mattarella is the new president still uh, works at his advantage because you know that protects him and allows him to go forward. We know that uh, Letta does know how to do politics because he kept uh, PD together uh, against many odds and uh, enabled uh, the center right to. and basically made the center right fail because they said this time we will not elect another center left president. And they did elect another center left president, one that was even a member of PD because Mattarella was a member Mm -hmm. of PD back then. Uh, and surprisingly, that Di Maio knows how to do politics very well, because he emerged as kind of this force for good that, that uh, prevented Cinque Stelle from doing a uh, back-end deal with uh, Salvini. So, and know, this is I a big think, surprise, uh, right? Because
0: usually people, uh, when they talk about Cinque Stelle, it's like they don't, it's that they don't get the politics right. It's that very often they kind of don't engage on it.
3: Yeah, I mean, Di Maio has been historically mocked, and if some good reason, I have to say, often as being incompetent, as being uh, too young, as not being up for the jobs, uh, not knowing what he talks about. But I have to say, in this last period, between the election of the President of the Republic, and even with the Russian crisis, he's keeping a very tight uh, uh, mm, line as the Minister of Foreign Affairs. He's not saying anything out of place. uh, He personally went to Russia, to talk to Lavrov, is getting a lot of recognition. Probably he just found very good advisors and decided to follow their advice, truly, but it's still a quality. There are many people in politics who do not find good advisors or do not follow their advice. So that's, that's already pretty si.
0: good. Uh, Contraghi, el sicuro como prime ministro, per quanto Primo tempo ministro. possiamo aspettarci che come
2: primo, primo ministro, ministro.
0: Sì. con Draghi al sicuro come prim- primo ministro per quanto tempo possiamo aspettarci che questo continui? governo continui o è stato solo un altro test con... per la
2: governo continui. governo
0: continui continui it's
2: ok Go.
0: governo continui Contin- yeah. <ride> o è stato solo un altro test per la politica italiana politica italiana
3: yeah, this is a very good question because, uh, I mean, on one end, the re-election of Mattarella is kind of the best guarantees for stability. It's Mattarella who wanted Draghi, it's Mattarella who chose Draghi, it's Mattarella who protects Draghi more than anyone else. On the other hand, with the election of the president of the republic, the first signs of electoral campaign started. And now the parties uh, might want to push their priorities. In these very days, today, yesterday, the day before, the center-right started voting against the government line sometimes, for instance, on the Green Pass and on uh, uh, raising the amount that you can legally pay by cash. Um, And the Cinque Stelle as well gave some sign of wanting to find some independence. Now, in my opinion, this will not amount to much, because almost nobody apart from Meloni has a clear interest to go Mm. to vote now, and therefore why should they? But Draghi has to be politically savvy to navigate this, uh, and he needs to understand that parties still have their political priority. Because what came out, what leaked the other day, is that after these small votes against the government line, Draghi came to the parliamentary leaders of the party and says, uh, uh, Parliament has to do what the government asks it right. for and has to approve uh, uh, what uh, the government priorities are, and they push forward. And you have, but ba- I mean, he didn't say it like that, but basically you have to do, as I say, otherwise I resign. And I'm afraid if he said that, they probably laugh laugh behind his back because that's not how it works in Italy. We are a parliamentary democracy. Parliament does whatever it wants. Parties have uh, priorities. And as Draghi discovered during the election of the President of the Republic, it's the parties who hold the power. Because, I mean, what they probably said to him or thought is, okay, you and how many divisions, you and how many MPs, you and how many votes... Because in the end of the day, he doesn't have a party, he doesn't have MPs directly answering to him, he doesn't have, uh, you know, a defined political structure that supports or him. Or a and mandate, right, that an election on... gives so you. Or a mandate. Like... But I mean, I mean, yeah, but in Italy we're kind of used to it, uh, but, but, and that's fine, we had many people who didn't have these things, that's kind of normal in Italy. But those people, if they lasted for a significant amount of time, they understood the importance of parties, of negotiating with them, of finding a point of mediation, of uh, uh, you know balancing their priorities. Because in the end of the day, that's exactly what the job of the prime minister in Italy is: it's mm, coordinating, is finding a compromising, is uh, uh, you know finding a mediation in the government line among all priorities.
0: Uh, durante il programma abbiamo seguito da vicino l'ascesa la, la aprorata caduta del Movimento Cinque Stelle.
2: L'ascesa e che qualcosa
0: che uh, ca- da- ascesa, ascesa. Can you repeat? Asce- ascesa. Ah, si, ok. Si, si. Durante il programma abbiamo seguito da vicino la cesa apparente caduta il del apparente. movimento cinque stelle. C'è okay. Okay,
1: okay.
0: il parente apparente. e il parente caduta del movimento cinque stelle. Che cosa che accadrà, che capovera le sorti di questa forza politica sfuggente? Capafoggia <laughs> le sorte di queste forza politica, politica sfuggente. Politica. Grazie.
3: Yeah, and by the way, this looks like a lot, I don't know if you've seen a Russian show uh, that is called Ciao Italia, um, where there are these people who basically pretend to be an Italian show from the 80s, ah, but saying things no. that makes no sense, like they pretend to be the Sanremo festival of music uh, in, the, in the 80s, and it's very popular in Russia, and it became popular even in Italy, so I don't know if this uh, uh, you know, reading in such a way is a covert uh, approval of the recent Russian. But uh, anyway, or at least a wink uh, toward them. But uh, yeah. um, 5 Stelle, Stelle, who knows, right? Because I think don't even. Not even 5 Stelle knows where they're going. (laughs) That's that's the reality. Because uh, I mean, uh, on one hand it's clearer where they're going, that it seems they're moving together toward the center-left, they are allied with the center-left in many regional elections, in many local elections, and the perspective is to build a political field together toward the national election. On the other hand, they keep imploding, because now they have a fairly, not even covert, but an open war between the former leader Luigi Di Maio. And the actual leader, uh, Conte, which is even complicated by the fact that now Conte, due to a um, judiciary appeal to his election, is not even leader anymore. He's leader de facto, but not uh, according to the law. But probably he's doing another appeal and maybe they'll solve it. But they're very divided. They're very um, fragmented. As always, uh, it's not easy for them to find a common line. And, and yeah, everyone is trying to figure it out what, what's happening inside them, but uh, but they um, keep, uh, in my opinion, shifting toward chaos <laughs> because uh, every every time there is an important political. Uh, you know, step to take, like the election of the President of the Republic, they split two or three ways, internal tensions emerge, and now these conflicts are even very public, they're on the press every day, so, yeah, let's see, let's see how it goes. As of now, I wouldn't say in a good direction for them.
0: Grazie per tutto, Ludovico Manzoni. Oh, my God, I never introduced I go, you go, properly, who is a campaigner and is, a, yeah. right now, you're in Brussels, where you're a graduate student, and we hope we can check in with you on maybe even some European things I, and not just uh, Italian politics. Sure, sure, absolutely. Introductions at the end is a new thing. Fiamma, let's do that from now on. Introductions at the end, all right? Make a note. Signed. Right. Comité. Comitato. Comité. 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 Thanks so much again for joining us tonight on the Committee Program. You can always support the show by becoming a member on Patreon.com committeeprogram program. You can follow us on all of our social media accounts, including on Twitter at Committee Pro, YouTube, the Committee Program, Instagram, the Committee Program, Facebook, The Committee Program. And you can actually visit the committee program company store now at T Public, the committee program shop. We have a couple of things we will try to get some more. Special thanks, as always, to our team, Shavak Castrati, Fiamma Melli, Jacopo Castelletti, Forrest Lovett, and committee's deputy director, Julia Doubleday. Try and look alive out there, folks. It's later than you think. It's the end of our broadcast
1: day. Thanks for listening.